Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about three issues. One, the uh, argument that the people who've gotten the 81 people in the Trump administration who got document requests from Congress ought to take the fifth, say no. Uh, Number two, there are two crises going on related to the border the flooding of the border, and the reaction by people in Congress. We're going to talk about Trump's emergency order. And three, what to do about a government that is helping schools spy on families. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. And again, welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis, and welcome to my first five. You probably saw in the news that, of course, now the Democrats have control of the U.S. House, and they have wasted no time in renewing a mission, or as I've called it on my show quite often, the witch hunt, of trying to dive into Donald Trump and everyone affiliated with his, can- his candidacy, his campaign, his business life, trying to find something they can use to either bring about his impeachment or possible prosecution. What happened this last week is there are two House committees that are relevant here. One is the House Judiciary Committee, chaired by Jerry Nadler of New York, who reminds everyone every day that it is that committee that launched the entire Watergate disaster. So the House Judiciary Committee under Jerry Nadler and the House Intelligence Committee under California Democrat Adam Schiff. Well, the House and the House Judiciary Committee, Nadler's committee, has issued formal document demand demand for documents document requests of 81 people from 81 people all people in some way affiliated with the trump campaign the trump business world just a slew of people in the white house out the white outside the white house just people who are in any way affiliated with donald trump I want to make several points and have you understand why this is so extremely important that these people stand up for themselves Number one, the overall mission of the Democrats has been since the moment of the election last in 2016, when it became apparent that President Trump had really won the presidential election, countless people in the American left have been talking about, don't worry, we'll impeach him, we'll get rid of him. The quest to impeach and remove Donald Trump began before the Democrats had any reason under the sun to think he had done anything wrong. Now with a Mueller investigation uh, coming up on two years, and it's just astonishing, Mueller was appointed as a special prosecutor in May of 2017. We're going to be coming up in May of 2019 in a couple of months. And after $24 million, 17 Trump-hating attorneys hired by Mueller Hours and hours and hours of investigations and document requests and cross-examinations and court hearings, that investigation has come up with zero, zip, nada, nothing in terms of any even theory, let alone proof, that somehow Donald Trump colluded with the Russians to win the 2016 presidential election. That was the entire purpose for which Mueller was appointed. No evidence at all. Mueller still hasn't issued his final report, and there's a lot of speculation at this point because it was supposedly going to come out, you know, before the midterms last year and, you know, early this year, and dragging his feet, a lot of speculation because he has nothing to say. 
He has, of course, uncovered apparently real crimes by some people who had some connection to Donald Trump related to their business dealings, their failure to file documents. And all of those people who had the unfortunate circumstance of being connected with Trump and investigated by Mueller um, may have committed real crimes and are and have been prosecuted and some convicted and even spent time or about to spend time in prison. But none of those convictions had anything to do with the original purpose of the Mueller investigation to find Trump-Russia collusion. But now enter the Democrats with the majority in the U.S. House, and they are pretty much openly saying, we are going to dig and dive and look and research and and demand documents and cross-examine. We're going to find some way to take this president down. It is the most evil, malicious, um, ignoble, ugly motive on the part of the Democrats. They've just decided they want Trump gone and they're going to find a reason to remove him. Very, very uh, brings to mind what people have talked about since the Stalin era when his one of his top lieutenants, Beria, B-E-R-I-A, Beria said, show me the man, I'll find you the crime. This is what the Democrats are doing. They are looking under every rock, around every corner, into every person who's known Trump with the idea of demanding documents, number one, getting the documents sent to them and then calling those people into Congress and cross-examining them and having the um, and, and just finding some way in, in, either to embarrass them, to uh, force them to say something embarrassing about President Trump, to potentially refer them to the Justice Department for prosecution. The whole point is this is not an investigation based on a reasonable suspicion of wrongdoing. This is to use the tired term Trump has used over and over, a witch hunt, a determined effort to find something to bring Trump down. So, Joe DeGeneva, you know, a very, very popular pundit on conservative sides, former, former federal prosecutor, a Fox News contributor, said last week that he thought that these people, all 81 of them, should simply... Take, plead the fifth, no, take the fifth as the expression is, but the Fifth Amendment, the guarantees no one has to incriminate themselves. You have the right to not incriminate yourself. He's saying, why don't all 81 of them take the fifth? Just don't cooperate. Just don't comply. And, you know, the, it's funny because there is a really, you know, for people like myself, I love the Constitution. I love the beauty of the way our government's set up. The federal government with checks and balances. The Congress is supposed to be, have some check on presidential authority. So you shouldn't mildly be saying, yeah, yeah, you know, Democrats are out of control. Let's just ignore this entire subpoena process. We really do need to have... In the abstract, we need to have the balance of power, the checks and balances, the Congress able to check the president when he's out of line. But all of us watching this Mueller astonishing witch hunt unfold on the headlines of every major newspaper every day since, the, since before President Trump was even sworn in as president, at some point, it is right for people on the right to stop this conduct, to say no, to stop this witch hunt. So, DeGeneva is saying, why don't they all say no? The, another uh, interesting thing, there's um, one of Trump's uh, affiliate or friends who is a, has been, um, he was a former aide to the Trump campaign. 
he, through his, and this guy's name is Michael Caputo, he has, through his lawyer, told the House Judiciary Committee that he doesn't have any documents, he doesn't have any that among those requested, and he's not going to come in and testify, just not going to do it. And he just said, you know, his lawyer said, you've already questioned him twice, he's already answered your questions, how many times you have to ask him the same questions over and over. And Caputo is saying, if he can get some of these other 81 people affiliated with Trump who also have been just harassed by the Democrats, that maybe that he, that they could just band together and say, we're just not going to cooperate in this ongoing witch hunt. Last point on this story, I want to add on this whole astonishing era in American history, which I really hope our children and grandchildren and our grandchildren's grandchildren study in school someday. All of what's happened with the Mueller investigation and the, the just utterly hoax accusation of the Trump-Russia collusion, I really hope that in the future people can look back at this era and look at it as a time, at it as a time when people in this country saw what happened for what it was, saw that was real, what was really happening inside the FBI and the Department of Justice was their determination to take down the opposing party's candidate for president. It was ongoing, this attempt to, to spy on Trump, all of the FISA, we talked about this so many times on the show, but the FISA warrants based on nothing, based on a dossier paid for by Hillary, the whole effort to protect Hillary from prosecution for genuine wrongdoing, and at the same time to trump up charges against President Trump or candidate Trump. And it was indeed, what people have been calling it, it was indeed a palace coup. It was an effort within the government of our country, at least acknowledged by, if not orchestrated by, the previous administration, the mission to be to shut down President Trump, to make him unable to perform his office, to remove him. Because that whole scandal, the biggest scandal ever in American government, is this scandal. Not Trump-Russia collusion. That is the, that was, that's the middle of the story. That's the hoax that came later. But the actual, original, astonishing, brazen effort by people at the highest levels of the FBI and the DOJ to say, we're going to take down a political opponent because we think we can. I hope our future, our children and grandchildren's grandchildren can look back at this time and realize and see it as a time that we stood up for the rule of law and we did not permit this charade to continue. And maybe that means at this point, even though we generally speaking want to have checks and balances, maybe it means we have to say, you know, all these 81 people are going to can band together and say, no, actually, Democrat Party, you're done with the coup. You're done making this effort to take down the duly elected president with false accusation. And, you know, the other thing that Geneva said and I've said, many people said, the way Mueller conducted the investigation resulted in some people being convicted of crimes simply by using a tactic called the perjury trap, which is Mueller and his team having information in front of them, the person being questioned not having the data, the facts, the documents, the emails in front of them, and getting them to give incorrect answers, and then 
calling that perjury, calling that lying to the FBI when they were not lying. They simply didn't have all the facts in front of them at the time they were questioned. This is another reason that DeGeneva is, is warning all of these people, don't you for a moment think you can show up in Congress and give straight answers and, and answer to the best of your knowledge and memory and be okay. Understand that this Democrat mission is to destroy Trump, everyone affiliated with him, to use anyone affiliated with him, and don't be the one who's also on this. Don't join their witch hunt. Don't play their game. One last shot on this uh, first five today, and that is this. We talked earlier in the week, or last week, about the testimony in Congress by the president's former lawyer, lawyer, Michael Cohen, who's headed off to prison next month for perjury. Many, many holes in his story. But I didn't know the day I covered that story, I don't think this news had come out. But if you have any doubt about what Cohen really thinks and when he was lying, was he lying then, lying now? Did you know that before his office was raided, before Mueller cast aside the entire feeling of the entire, uh, you know, respect for the attorney-client privilege had, and had Mueller's office, excuse me, had Cohen's office raided, took his documents, took everything related to his representation of President Trump all these years, used it as evidence against, against Cohen and wants to use it against Trump. Prior to that happening, when Cohen really thought he was still the president's lawyer, the president's buddy, he had written a book. He was circulating the book, you know, sending it out to different possible potential publishers, saying, essentially, I've written a great book about Trump. You know, he was trying to get it sold to publishers. He started his proposal. I want you to hear what Cohen said about Trump before he realized the prosecution was coming his way from Mueller. Cohen sent proposals out to publishers saying, he started the proposal with a list of unflattering barbs that had been thrown at Trump since he became commander in chief. Crazy, dumb, paranoid, in over his head, liar, addicted to TV, hates the media. And he, Cohen said, all of these things have been said about my longtime boss, Donald J. Trump. None of it is true. The people to whom he pitched this book, praising Trump just a few weeks before his office was raided, the people with whom he did the interviews actually gave story, gave statements to the media saying essentially he could not have sung President Trump's praises any better. He praised Trump a glow of discussing what a great man he was. This is the guy. Now you see why I've said when Cohen was testifying in Congress last week, his entire mission was to make the Democrat, you know, hit squad that's trying to take out Trump, make them happy by saying what they want to hear because he thinks somehow just maybe it'll keep him out of prison or maybe keep him in a shorter prison term. The guy is truly a liar. What he wrote about Trump, you talk about where you're lying, then you're lying now, when he had no motive to lie to save his own skin, he said all of the attacks on Trump are lies. That was Michael Cohen. I'm Debbie George S. This is America Can We Talk. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned. We'll be right back, turning our topic to the border crisis. Tons to tell you. Don't go away.
Welcome back to America Can We Talk. So, you know, there's an amazing thing unfolding uh, in our country. And right now, uh, today, as we we're doing the show today, we had a um, President Trump, you know, we had to shut down the government. We had President Trump saying he wasn't going to sign a budget until he got funding for the border wall. They had the big Democrat-Republican, you know, co- conference committee in Washington. And basically, they gave him a small portion of the amount of money he wanted for the wall. And so... To avoid further government shutdown, Trump took the deal, marching forward, and then Trump, President Trump has issued an emergency order saying essentially he's going to use military funding to fund the completion of the wall. And again, it's not a wall shore to shore, coast to coast. It's a wall where otherwise the border is unsecured. It's a wall where we can't either either can't or don't have adequate personnel to put someone in place at every point, a wall where a wall is needed. Well, this has become quite the uh, battle in Washington because, of course, the Democrat House voted against it and said, no, you can't do that. The uh, Senate is actually controlled by the Republicans. It has a Republican majority. But as I sit here today, I checked right before we left the House, the vote I don't think had occurred, but it appeared likely uh, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said that it appeared likely the Senate, even the majority Republican Senate, was going to vote against Trump using this, this, this money, the money he's targeting to use uh, in the emergency order to build out the wall. So even with the Republican majority in the Senate, Trump apparently cannot get the Senate to go along. Trump has said he's going to veto that. He's going to go ahead and build, use the money anyway. And the, the Senate has said they don't have the votes to override Trump's veto. So strategically, Trump can win this. But I want to run through this story on five different angles. Number one, the real facts at the border. Because part of what the Democrats say is there's no problem. The border is so secure. It's ridiculous. You know, it's just it's ridiculous. We're even talking about this. So what are the facts at the border? I have some clips for you from Border Patrol. Uh, number two, uh, what is the reason why you would have Democrats in Congress not supporting a secure border? What's the reason Republicans don't support the secure border, support building the wall? Um, and then number three, the legal question, whether Trump has the legal right to do this, um, which I, I think has been there's been a lot of misleading characterizations by people who are more uh, enthusiastic than informed because the short answer is yes, he has legal authority to do this. Uh, number four, though, is it politically smart? Should Trump go ahead and build it, use the order and build it, if he, even if he has to override the veto, even if he has to veto Congress and they can't override it, is it politically smart or not for him? Uh, and then fifth, uh, does it set a bad precedent for the future, the use of this emergency power? Because that's part of like why Rand Paul said that he was not going to support Trump. He's a little in this emergency order to use the military money to build the wall because a bad precedent being set for the future. And then last, I guess it's six things I want to throw in to, uh, for you what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the um, legal intellect, her, what she threw in. Because if you ever want to know what the go-to mission, the go-to motive, the go-to accusation of the American left, if they, have, if they don't have facts on their side, if they don't have logic on their side, if they don't have American security on their side, they always default to... You know the answer, calling the other side racist. So even AOC went to that even on this issue. But let's start with the with the facts. We have some great clips. I want to just, these are not clips of 
you know, uh, for, there is one clip by um, which I really enjoyed by um, the uh, White House spokesperson. But um, I'm not going to. I'm going to save her, Sarah Sanders. I'm going to save her clip for a minute and go to clip two. There was a, a, a lengthy press conference held involving Brian Hastings, the chief of operations for U.S. Border Patrol, and then the Border Patrol uh, Customs and Border Patrol Commissioner Kevin McAleen. So this is clip two, which is to hear what they have to say about the facts on the ground. Uh, total enforcement actions for February and fiscal year 19 were 76,103. That includes those deemed inadmissible at the ports of entry and those apprehended in between the ports of entry. This represented a 31% increase over January. Well, good afternoon. My name is Brian Hastings. I'm the Chief of Operations here at Border Patrol Headquarters. Thanks, Shortly, You're going to see some videos here. This kind of outlines a few of the things that we have going on currently with the border. Specifically, these are taken of some large groups. Uh, in the El Paso area as well as Lordsburg, New Mexico. I'll talk about some of the challenges that that presents here shortly. Just kind of want to hit on a few of the things that uh, AC Meehan already mentioned. Primarily 28 days in February we had over 66,000 apprehensions. Um, during this fiscal year so far to date since October we've had over 268,000 apprehensions so far as compared to the same time frame last fiscal year. That's a 97% increase. It's well known at this time that adults with children will not be detained during the immigration proceedings for illegal entry. The word of mouth and social media quickly gets back to those in the Northern Triangle countries that if you bring a child, you'll be successful. From April of 2018 through February of 2019, We've had almost 2,400 fraudulent claims of families. Of those fraudulent claims, some are folks who have claimed that they're under 18 and are not. Others have actually been fraudulent familial claims. Another trend that we're seeing, and I mentioned earlier, are the large groups. This is a dangerous trend for us. We define large group as a group over 100. Um, those groups so far this fiscal year, we've seen 70 of those groups, over 100. Uh, it should be very clear uh, from these numbers that we are facing alarming trends in the rising volumes of people illegally crossing our southwest border or arriving at our ports of entry without documents. This increased flow presents currently at our highest levels in over a decade, both a border security and a humanitarian crisis, challenges our resources and personnel and is negatively impacting border security. While Chief Hastings focused on the significant numbers of illegal crossings between ports of entry, where 87% of the total flow in February came, we're also seeing stark increases in asylum seekers as we work to provide lawful and safe access at our southwest border ports of entry. Okay, I want to make sure one thing you caught there, many things you caught there, but he just said 87% of the people they have caught entering America illegally, let alone how many they didn't catch, because we, we can't man the whole border. 87% are between the ports of entry, or in plain English, 87% of the border crossings are in places where we don't have a wall or a, a, any other legal, they use the term port of entry, it's like a gate. So 87%, which is logical, people recognize if they go to the actual port of entry, they might be stopped. So what they do instead is go to places where they might not get caught. We, and the, the numbers are staggering here. A 97% increase over a year ago. I mean, and so 
this this conference went along for 25 minutes or something. And by the way, if you want to see this news conference, you can go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, and go on the front homepage and click down under podcasts. I think it says list of links, but it actually lists where these numbers came from. You can go watch this, this border conference. So the first question of, you know, who's telling the truth and the facts? It is so flaming absurd that the Democrats and liberals sit there in Washington, far away from the southern border, and, and pretend that the president is manufacturing a crisis. This is ridiculous. Our southern border is being overrun. People who live down there know it. People whose properties these people cross into know what's happening. So it isn't really, there's not, as I say often, my, one of my best friends in law school used to say, there aren't really two sides to every question. There are not two sides to the question of whether or not we have a massively insecure border and a massive, massive increase in the number of people coming over the southern border. They mentioned families. I'll tell you the way we're being played on this one. America, and as most countries do, has a law related to asylum. Asylum has specific categories. When you come here and seek asylum, you essentially have to meet one of the standards in the federal asylum law. One thing they said later in that news conference was these people have been coached. These people show up requesting asylum and their stories one after the next, after the next, after the next, after the next, almost verbatim the same story because the story fits the asylum standard. We're being played. We're being lied to. So we have a serious problem at the border. The question of support or not support by Congress, I'm telling you, the Democrat Party at the highest echelons puts no weight at all into the idea of a secure border. No weight at all. And they are happy to have the border overrun. They're happy to have Democrat cities, which are sanctuary cities, embrace these people, take them in, use our resources. This is, a, this is an abandonment of what the idea of America is, the idea of a country is. That if you don't have a border, you're not a country. You're just some blob of dirt on the earth. So we have a big problem. That is what the facts are. The Democrats do not care about border security. They will not vote to fund it in, in any way. It isn't just like they don't want the wall. They don't want border security. And they, because they don't have any alternative, they suggest for what to do with the 87% of people who enter America illegally in areas where we don't have any way to stop them. We don't have a port of entry and we don't have a wall. Third, the legal right to do this, President Trump has not only the legal right, I feel very sure about this, if this gets to the Supreme Court, about whether, you know, assuming all this happens, that the Democrat, that the Republican-controlled Senate votes no, that so Trump gets a no vote from Congress, and he vetoes their bill, and Congress cannot override the veto, which they will not be able to do, so Trump goes ahead. There is a federal law that was passed in 1976, kind of post-Watergate, when they're kind of trying to clean up government. They passed the National Emergency Act law. But to be clear, the president's power to declare national emergencies goes back as far as Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson did it in response to a rebellion of Aaron Burr's efforts to raise a rebellion in Louisiana. Abraham Lincoln did it at the start of the Civil War. FDR did it in response to the Great Depression. Harry Truman did it at the start of the Korean War. Presidents have used the emergency power over and over, as have current era presidents, modern era presidents. Trump is going to end up, I mean, I, I could go into the long um, 
legalistic description, but Trump is going to end up with the Supreme Court finding that he has the authority to do this. It's not close. He is securing the border, using funds, by the way, and like, hey, you should remember this, in 2006, a bipartisan Congress, so 2006 was under Bush, that long ago, passed authorizing building a border wall and, and funds for it. They just didn't do it. They did very little of it. So Trump's got the legal authority. Trump's got the funding. So the next question is, okay, so well, we got the facts. We got uh, the Congress is, you know, got all their reasons they're not doing. And I will say, back to the reasons that the Republicans won't go along. Rand Paul and others have said, well, you know, if we let this kind of, this is a policy issue about border security, and if Trump can do this policy, um, you know, kind of policy by executive order, what happens in the future with a Democrat president? You know, some Democrat president could say, well, you know, we're going to use my my, uh, executive power, my emergency power to say that we need to grab all the guns in this country. We have some other horrible shooting and, you know, the Democrats will be fired up to take all the be the gun grabbing the party that they always are. And so they we're going to grab guns. And the the Republicans trying to say it's a slippery slope here. Well, you know, it's really not that slippery. It's not that slippery. The gun example is ridiculous. We have a Second Amendment. We're not going to have a court say that the government can override the Second Amendment because of some alleged, even horrible incident. But what Trump is saying here, this is the border of America. If you had, you know, the communist party of of China, if you had the Chinese communists coming over the southern border and invading militarily, of course we can defend our border. What Trump is talking about, what's occurring at the border, it is an invasion. They talked about, you know, they're now on seven big caravans, 70 groups of over 100 people each. One group alone was 334 who show up en masse to override, to just override, to, to just rush past the border security, just to, to, to flatten them. So border security just gives up and lets them in. This is abandoning your border if you don't take charge of it. It's not even close. So I, Trump, I believe, will have a not a hard time defending legally his right to do this. And then the other next thing, though, is it politically smart? Because a lot of people are saying, well, you know, the reason Democrats don't want to do this, one of the many reasons besides that they don't care about the border, but the Democrats don't support uh, a wall and strong border security because they think it offends the Hispanic voting base, that they rely on Hispanic American voters and that there will be uh, plenty of Hispanic Americans who will be offended by the Democrats siding with the secure border crowd, that the Democrats think they're better off with the, in the elections coming up in 2020 and moving forward to refuse to enforce the border because it'll make Hispanic Americans happy. Well, number one, if that's really the motivation, what a sellout of America. What a sellout of America. Just, just so wrong, so, um, I don't even know what the right word is, uh, immoral, unethical. The idea that you would abandon the border because you want to keep political power in a certain group you think will vote for you more if you will just not do your job and defend the country and have a secure border. It is preposterously irresponsible on the part of the Democrats. I will say, on the part of the Republicans, I think there are, unfortunately, enough Republicans in Congress a little too far in the pocket with the Chamber of Commerce, a little too far in the pocket of big employers 
who are pretty darn happy to have a continuing flow of illegal aliens entering America over the southern border and willing to work for those big employers who band together and with political power in the Chamber of Commerce, band together and say, well, you know, we're really not that excited about secure borders because we need all these illegal aliens because we can have them work for us for less. Well, that is, a, that is an abandonment. Voting against the wall by Republicans for that reason is equally an abandonment of the idea of America, the security of America, of the idea of America as a country. It is outrageous and wrong. I feel, I, I not feel, I, that's what leftists do. I think that if Trump holds strong, builds a wall where needed, and has the backing uh, and doesn't have Congress interfering with him, this will, A, assure his reelection because the American people actually want border security. The American people do not like the scenes they see at the border with people climbing over the fences and tossing their babies over and and just overwhelming the border uh, patrol at the the southern border and, and taking them. There was one of the clips, I don't know if it played while the guy was talking, was the people coming up from the southern border, uh, across our southern border, had just actually worked an entire section of wall free from its roots, from its grounding, and just tossed it aside and flooded in. America doesn't want this. And the politicians in Washington, with the backbone enough to say, I'm going to stand with America and secure borders, they're the ones who will win, including Trump in uh, 2020. And the last thing I was going to say about it is, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez reliably uh, weighed in instead of arguing that there's some other way to secure the southern border or just admitting that she doesn't want the southern border secure because the Democrats are trying to build up their masses of illegal aliens in this country who eventually, they think, will be amnestied into citizenship once the Democrats have the presidency and the Senate and the House, they'll amnesty them all, and they think they've got a permanent future Democrat voting base truly for the rest of time. This is really what the Democrats think. But back to Alexandria, she put out a tweet. Um, she, I mean, just mocking, mocking the Republicans. Um, where was the concern? This is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's tweet. Where was the concern last week when 26 Democrats voted for a GOP amendment to expand ICE powers, you know, immigration and customs, expand ICE powers, Alexandria's words here, rooted in the racist and false trope that Latino immigrants are more dangerous than U.S.-born citizens. I mean, she is outrageously racist to say this, outrageously obnoxious. No one is saying that the reason to have a secure border is because otherwise people who are all worse people than we are, or people who are all bad because they're Latino and they are somehow worse citizens than Americans are, no one's saying that that's the reason to have a secure border. This is the typical Democrat tactic of ascribing racism to the other side when you have no possible basis to defend what you are trying to do. There is no basis in, on the American left. There's no basis in law, in common sense, in with a mission to keep America secure, to make sure we know who's here, to have an American system of government, to have a country. There's no basis in law for simply abandoning the southern border. And for those of you thinking, well, the Democrats don't really want to abandon the southern border, 
Okay, they just don't want to enforce it. It's the same thing. They, they are unwilling to back any plan that allows the southern border to again become secured. They will not back anything that actually allows security at the southern border. So we have on our hands the opportunity, if the Republicans can find the backbone and find the clarity and get right with this issue, we have the opportunity, actually, to emerge as a winner as Trump has emerged as a winner on a key issue facing America. America wants border security. We want to have people coming here that we have agreed can come here. We want people coming here who follow our laws. We want people, if they need to come to America and seek asylum, we want people who are seeking asylum based on honest stories. This asylum standard has been broadcast. In fact, one of the, that long conference, I played just portions of it. One of the points one of those guys made was that the left has been using social media to train these people coming up. And it's really not from Mexico. It's mostly uh, Guatemala, Argentina, not Argentina, Guatemala and, and El Salvador. Those are the people coming up through our southern border, mostly Guatemalans, actually. And they all know the same story to tell about asylum. I mean, just mysteriously, they all have almost exactly verbatim the same story. Obviously, they've been coached. They've been trained by the American left. I'm telling you, if the Republicans in Washington could back Donald Trump, stand with him on securing the border, and building the wall where it's needed and pushing that project to get done, Republicans will win in a landslide in 2020. It is the weakness of the Republican Party, the weakness of the GOP leadership on the House and the Senate that cannot figure this out. They sit in Washington, far from the southern border, secure in their happy bubble and their, their uh, you know, popularity in Washington meeting everything and the cocktail party route and the virtue signaling about how open-minded I am and how much I care and how much I really would love to see the southern border. I love to see America be welcoming to these poor people. In fact, you know, Congress had a, a hearing today. I meant to tell you this, another on this whole point. Everything happening at the southern border, Border Patrol trying through holding press conferences to say, in fact, the guy said, we are overwhelmed. The problem with the border is unsustainable. We can't function this way. That's what he's saying. The Border Patrol is saying, and the hearing in Washington today, in Washington today was trying to understand the economic and social conditions in the countries from which these people are fleeing. Now, yes, it matters. Some people are fleeing poverty. Some of these families are real families. Among the many other things in that little clip were all the stories they had about people who, it's, they're fake families. They are created to get through the border to say, to seek asylum under our asylum laws. And they have their whole you know, story they make up and then actually they investigate. Nah, they're not even related. These people are trafficking children. These are people who met last week in the trek up here and said, okay, we're gonna be a family. That's what's happening at the Southern border. We can be sympathetic to the poverty in this world. We can be more generous if we think we need to be as a nation to help conditions in those poor countries. But 
Sympathy for poverty in low-income countries in Central America and Mexico does not translate logically into the, into the political position that therefore we must fight against Trump building a wall, we must abandon the southern border. It, th those two things, that, that they don't connect, they don't have to compute. You can send help and aid to low-income countries and at the same time recognize if you don't have a border, you don't have a country. Trump has figured this out. It's time for the Republicans and the Democrats on both sides of the aisle and both houses of Congress to find this out. I'm Debbie Georgiatis, and this is America Can We Talk. I'm going to take the briefest three-second break and turn to an entirely different subject of an amazing battle ongoing in Texas about how much spying on your family the public schools can do. Stay tuned. America Can We Talk? This is my little Debbie Discusses segment. So here in the great state of Texas, we have right now, you know, Texas, because we pride ourselves on limited government, we have a legislature that meets only for six months, not full year, every other year. And so right now, we were at Texas legislative session. I have lots of activist friends. I, you're probably surprised to hear I have a lot of political activist friends, but I do. A lot of them are down in Austin, and they're working on a variety of bills you know, of, of all kinds. One bill that's astonishing, and it's not just happening in Texas. This is a trend around the country. I think it's an alarming trend, and I want to tell you about it because it really ends up impacting how much privacy families have, how much control parents have over their home, their children, and their lives. The Texas State Senate passed a bill called SB, which is Senate Bill 10. SB 10 it would create the Texas Mental Health Care Commission. It came about, in fact, this is a priority. We have a Republican governor here, governor in Texas too, uh, Greg Abbott. He's a great guy, nice guy. We have, you know, the Republican majority, the Texas Senate and the Texas House. But SB 10 was one of the priorities identified by Governor Abbott in response to the horrific school shooting we had in Texas last year. Back in company like May, I think of last year, May of 2018, we had a horrific school shooting. I think it was 17 uh, precious young people lost their lives, 17 more seriously injured. And so the politicians want to do something about it. You know, the left is always, let's take away guns. That's just the go-to message. We'll take away guns. That'll solve it. Republicans want to do things like be sure that teachers can be armed, permit teachers who are trained, understand how to handle firearms, can be legally armed at school so they have some way of fighting back instead of these idiotic signs outside of schools you're entering abc you know public school a gun-free zone i mean it's like an invitation to a crazy person to show up with a gun but i digress republicans go off on that but the other point and the reason that texas governor abbott and others got behind this bill was because it was the idea of before we get to the point of a horrific school shooting, maybe we can do a better job of identifying students who have issues going on, issues in their lives, issues in their homes. They're trying to find a way, so they're setting up a mental health commission that will ultimately involve in public schools, having public school students take a survey, and the survey is designed to kind of figure out in your home, and your family, are these things going on? And then it, once kids take the survey, answer the questions, 
if you have, you know, if it's is it yes or no, has this happened in your home? Has this happened in your home? Has this happened? Blah, blah. If you have enough yeses, then you are sh- shuttled off by the school to talk to a uh, co- some kind of counselor, either psychiatrist, psychologist, counselor. You're shuffled off. You're, you get your kid gets put in that system where they're then finding out more about your home, more about your life. And then... So, of course, in the the era of no records ever go away for the rest of your life, your kid is going to have, regardless of what any advocates for this system claim, your kid will have a permanent mark in the system, in the public school system, by his or her name, uh, referred for counseling, has some questions here. And so this commission thing ultimately involves this, this whole idea. And by the way, this was proposed by a Republican and I think voted for by all of the Senate. Everyone's wanting to show that they did something about school shootings. And of course, the school shootings are, you know, they're, they're heartbreaking. They are outrage inducing. They're upsetting. They're troubling. You, know, you can't even find strong enough words. But this reaction of the Republicans in the, t- the state of Texas was, well, let's set up this mental health commission thing. And that gets around to well, how, how do you decide how do you figure out which kids have problems or not? So they have a, a um, test. It's called the ACE test, Adverse Childhood Experience. You get an ACE score if, as your kid goes through and answers these questions. And so they have, for example, did a parent or either adult in the household or other adult, excuse me, a parent or other adult in the household often swear at you, insult you, put you down, humiliate you okay my our kids are grown and i'll tell you we were blessed with really wonderful kids that we did not have you know we just didn't have big issues but the idea of some kid mad at their parents because the mother like showed up at the boy scout meeting or the mother cheers too loudly at the football games or the mother insists on walking her kid into school are they humiliating you often maybe i mean these the list of questions the average kid from a perfectly healthy, normal home, mad at his mom that day, mad at his dad about something from last week, could answer a question, whatever the number is, few questions, they answer yes, whatever number, I think it's, you have to go three or five or something, and they send you off for counseling. This is so flaming intrusive. So this starts when you're very, 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 very young. Your kids are just little children in school. So, but it passed the Senate, you know, easily, I believe it was unanimous. Now it's over in the Texas House. So some people are trying to say, wait a minute, before we get too far down this path of, you know, the school checking up on everything the parents ever done, you know, let's look at whether we can find other ways. With, oh, by the way, it creates a massive bureaucracy and every school has a center to which you send these kids who are troubled. And so your kid's now on the troubled center school list. I mean, your kid's marked from whatever it is, second grade, when they said, yeah, my mother humiliates me because she, you know, wouldn't let me go to a sleepover, whatever reason they'd have. I mean, and the questions are a bunch of them like that. I don't want to spend more time on the questions, but again, on our website, americacanwetalk.org, you can go read these questions. These are written by people who, it all depends if you have the right mindset or not as you read these questions and thinking, would this possibly cause good, healthy, wholesome, normal parents to come to school's attention? The answer is, of course, yes. Well, I'm going to tell you what, folks. I'm, I am out of time in this show today. Sadly, it goes by. You know, I used to think 
when I had a show one day a week that it would just be so great to have a show four days a week. I couldn't possibly run out of time. I always run out of time. There's more topics. We're going to come back to this next week. Tomorrow, I have a whole different thing going on. Uh, great show tomorrow. Don't miss tomorrow. But um, I'm going to come back to this next week because I want to share more about this and what the other solutions are and how really dangerous it can be to let a bunch of liberal bureaucrats be in charge of assessing your child and what he says about home and if your mom ever sounds ever humiliates you. But out of time. I am Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk. I want to urge you, if you're watching this on YouTube, to subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're on Facebook, like this page, share these segments, comment. I love the comments. I try to respond. Email me at americacanwetalk at gmail.com. And thank you so much for tuning in every day. I do this show out of utter love of this precious country and wanting to inspire you and everyone you know to be activists in standing up for this the liberty in America, which is profoundly under assault from the American left. Stand up for America because America matters. Talk to you tomorrow. America, can we talk truth about America? destination for premium talk radio.